Hi, good evening. How are you guys? It's good to see you. Some friends in the crowd, some familiar faces. Uh, my name is Dallas. Uh, that was me, if you didn't recognize me. Um, and uh, for the last year, oh, hey, Rochelle, good to see you. Uh, for the last year, I've had the opportunity to uh, take over the role of the Joshua Director, the Joshua Wilderness Institute Director. And, uh, you know, I've been here at Hume for about eight years, um, actually more than that. So I started in 2004 as a lifeguard in, uh, in Ponderosa. And uh, within about a week, I broke my ankle, and I was living on a full-timer's couch all summer uh, after surgery. But I kept coming back, and so uh, I worked another summer in Ponderosa, and then uh, I went to this program called the Joshua Wilderness Institute. Um, and then I worked some more summers. Uh, I met my wife uh, in the ARC. Uh, we were both on summer staff, and so we met in the ARC. And um, then I worked uh, in Meadow Ranch a little bit more. I did recreation. I got to lead games for students, which was an amazing time. Uh, and then I, I also got to work at Joshua, which is a really cool thing to be the men's RD at Joshua for a couple of years. Uh, but then I left for a couple of years, got married. Uh, we had some kids. And then we came back. And uh, I started working in Meadow Ranch. And so I spent the last eight years working in Meadow Ranch. It is near and dear to my heart working with junior hires, uh, but it was time to be done. Um, it was time. Uh, I understood that uh, the Lord was taking me out of that. So, uh, you know, it was really cool. Last year, I got to have some cool conversations uh, with some of the leadership and um, just kind of started having this organic conversation of what would it look like uh, wh what would you do outside of being in Meadow Ranch? Um, and, you know, that was really difficult for me because I had uh, everything I knew was in Meadow Ranch. Everything that I felt like I was good at was building sets and helping create costumes and making movies and creating live productions because we do it live in the Meadow. And it was time to leave that behind. Um, and so as the conversations progressed and we started talking about what would it look like if, uh, you know, you worked at Joshua, um, it was a really cool thing uh, to take over at Joshua. And that was just a year ago for me. And so um, Joshua uh, is, if, you, if you're not familiar, and it was a little bit in the video, it's a nine-month discipleship gap year program. Uh, and, and what happens is we all live in a big old building on the top of the hill, and it's for 18 to 24-year-olds. Uh, a full class would be about 52 students, um, and man, it is a blast to be up there. But, you know, when I got to go um, take over a year ago or start working there, man, Joshua had been on hold for two years. Um, you know, COVID happened, and Joshua was actually canceled. So the, the last class... Uh, their class was canceled right before they got to go on their big trip as a class to Israel. So they missed out on that. And then it, we didn't have a class for two years. And so when I came on this time last year, um, the, the goal was, hey, how do we relaunch Joshua? How does Joshua come back? Um, and, and frankly, friends, you know, culture has changed in two years, right? You know, from, from having a class and then, you know, going dark and going through COVID for two years, the lives of students look vastly different. They're struggling with things that we haven't seen 
in the last, you know, even before COVID. And so how do we do this and how do we create a program that students will come and live in community and learn what does it mean to be a follower of Christ? You know, for students coming in, one thing that is paramount before they come to a place like Joshua is that they uh, have a commitment to Christ, right? That they have a, a personal relationship with Christ. And so as we have those conversations with them and we, as we interview students and then we start accepting students, um, it's amazing to see now as we just launched a month and a half ago after a year of, of reboot, a year of going, hey, how are we going to get this thing back off of the ground? Well, friends, we have people in the building right now and it's an amazing thing to know that students are in classes, they're going on trips, and they're doing all of the things that really, uh, what is our tagline? Well, let me tell you. It's how do we live lives worthy of the gospel? So often, you know, you've got students who go, I don't know how to do this. you got to think back to when you were maybe 18 or 24. Maybe some of you weren't walking with the Lord then. Uh, maybe you were nervous about how to do that. It's only gotten harder. If you look at culture, if you look what's said about Christianity for an 18-year-old to go, how am I going to live this life when I feel alone in my faith? That's what's so great about pulling everyone together into a building and all of them experiencing the same thing as a cohort and going, I'm not alone in my faith. I have the ability to be bold, to be courageous, to be trained in what it means to live a life worthy of the gospel. Three things that we get to do in Joshua. Um, and kind of everything centers around these three, uh, these three things. And that would be um, education, application, and formation. So every single morning, we do some education. Uh, we have classes in Joshua. One of the things I'm so excited about as we've rebooted Joshua this year is we're working uh, uh, in partnership with a university called Biola. And so uh, the opportunity for students, which is really cool, is if they come to Joshua, they have the opportunity to get up to 12 prior learning credits that can go straight into Biola if they choose to go to Biola. And so uh, those classes that we have in the morning, we have um, one that I get to teach called Old Testament, uh, which has been so much fun to go through the Old Testament with a bunch of students. And the questions that are asked are awesome. And sometimes they just ask way too many questions about the Nephilim. Um, just all the time. Um, we have uh, Old Testament, and then we have biblical interpretation and spiritual formation. How do I read Scripture, and then how do I apply it to my life? How do I live this out? I think so often students, you know, they come up in a public school or even in some of the Christian high schools, that they're not learning how to read Scripture. How do you dive in, and then how do you meditate on that so it permeates your heart? And that's what we get to do in that class. We've got another class, New Testament, uh, and then another one uh, called um, Foundations of Christian Thought. That's going to be for next semester. But it's important to have a class like that because oftentimes students have no idea what it means to think biblically. You know, there's many places that a student could go to learn a lot of facts, right? They, they can learn facts at any university they go, but... We focus on wisdom. You ought to learn how to think through, how to have wisdom so that you can live this life worthy of the gospel, right? So that's what we have in education. 
Uh, well, there's a couple other classes too. We have a missions class. Uh, there's a, a, a woman who used to work her, here named Rachel Kloss. She ran Ponderosa for a while, and she's amazing. But she now lives in Papua New Guinea, and she is a missionary in Papua New Guinea, and she's working on translating, learning how to translate scripture so that uh, a people group in Papua New Guinea can actually have God's word in their heart language for the first time. Well, she calls in every single week from Papua New Guinea with a pretty bad internet line, but uh, we get to talk to her and go, what's going on in the hearts and minds of the people of Papua New Guinea as they're getting the gospel for the first time? So we have a missions class as we call missionaries all over the world. We have a disciple-making class led by Art and Becky Melly, if you guys know them. They come up to the building once a week. We have a theology class to learn, how do I think about all of this? How, how do I understand what I believe? Theology is vastly important. So we have a theology class. We also have a little class called Life Skills. Um, you got to think, um, a lot of these students have spent um, countless hours on YouTube, on Instagram, and basically just on cell phones. Um, and many of them don't know how to do some very basic things in life, like how to do laundry. Um, yeah, there, there's some guys specifically very bad at that. Um, how to do laundry, how to change your tire. You know, how to, uh, how to do your taxes. There's a lot of how-tos, and we think that it's important to, to understand and to learn how to do those things because not, uh, not just so that you can learn how to do it, but here's the deal. Every single one of these students, at some point, are probably going to live in an apartment building with a laundromat. And if they know how to do laundry, what does that mean? They can help someone who doesn't know how. And what does that mean? They can share the gospel. We share the gospel by what's in our hand. If you learn how to do something, you can find inroads to sharing the gospel. Change a tire, right? Well, if you're driving down the road, you see someone who's got a flat tire, what can you do? Well, you just learn how to change one, so you're going to stop, and you're going to help them change a the tire. But then what can you do? You can share the gospel. Everything we do is meant for a singular purpose. And it's meant that a student would be able to focus for this nine months on how to live this life dedicated to Christ. And then, this is training. Then when you leave, how do you do it? Go do it. It's an amazing thing. So education is a huge piece. The next one would be formation. How do you, how do you take these things that you're learning and how do you... Uh, put them into your heart. And that's also why we have a new speaker every single week. Every week in the program of a nine-month program that we're in the building, we've got a new speaker. And they come in, and man, it's, it's a whole range of things. But the entire goal is that a student would understand more about who God is and to apply that to their life. And then the last thing we have is application. Because, man, if you've got a lot of things in your head, a lot of things in your heart, but you're not doing anything with it, what's the point? And so the application is the trips that we go on. We get to go on five trips throughout the course of a Joshua year. Uh, we've actually already gone on two. So uh, we go to Wildwood, and, man, that is a big kickoff. It's the first week. They don't know they're going to go. It's the day after they move into the program. We bring them all into the great room, a big, uh, a big hall in the building. We say, hey, pack your bag. We're going on a hike. And we take them out for a week, and they have no idea it's coming, and it's hysterical. Um, and the girls are all trying to stuff makeup in their bags. And you're like, it, it's not going to matter. We black the mirrors out. You can't even see yourself. Um, so we go out there, and, and it's such a cool bonding time. One of my favorite things we did when we were there is uh, we do a group initiative or a GI, if you've heard of that before. 
and we tie a whole bunch of ropes through the trees, and we blindfold every single student, and you put them on, and you go, hey, you got to get out of this maze. Here's, here's, and I'll give you just the, the uh, first part. Uh, there's no way out of this maze. Um, you, you can't get out. That's the point of it. But you're blindfolded, and you're walking around blindfolded, and we say, hey, um, uh, if you need help, just raise your hand. Now, nobody wants to do that. Why? Because I don't need any help. I'm going to get out of this maze. They don't know. It's not possible. And as we do it, every once in a while, you know, someone will raise their hand, and quietly we'll have them take their blindfold off and say, hey, you figured out how to get out of the, out of the maze because you need help. And so you bring them over, and everyone's quiet. And then you kind of have the stragglers, the real stubborn ones who for 30 minutes wander around, pitch black, going, I don't need any help. And what I love about the end of a GI like that as you understand, you can't be your own savior, that you need help, that it's Christ who comes and helps us. It's Christ who saves us, right? And that's what I love about we do in the spiritual formation side of, of the trips that we get to go on. Uh, we just got back last week from uh, Hume SoCal. Uh, I don't know if anyone's been to Hume SoCal. It's an awesome, awesome time and place. But just serving. I think so often in a place like uh, Joshua, uh, you get what I call the, uh, the youth group all-star, right? The, uh, the student who's been on stage in youth group, who knows all of the right things to say and goes, put me on stages. But I think maybe you guys would agree or uh, have noticed that um, the art of serving is a bit of a dying art um, in a culture that is so obsessed with self, obsessed with Instagram, obsessed with seeing themselves in mirrors, it's hard for people to go, I can serve someone else. And that's the whole goal of something like Hume SoCal. No, we're not putting you on a stage. You're going to clean toilets because it's good for you. And you got to learn how to do this stuff. And it's not about you. It's about Christ. And it's about the gospel going out at a place like Hume SoCal. So that is the trip that we just came back for. I'm so excited. We have three more trips this year. We're going to be going to the Dominican Republic as an entire class as we get to uh, serve alongside local Dominican uh, people as they teach us far more than we teach them. And I love that we get to partner with Dominicans in their own country. Uh, so we're going to be doing that. And then we go down to Los Angeles, a whole nether cultural experience. Um, and what we do there is we work uh, in the gospel missions uh, and we work with homeless people, the least of these so often we, we also look at, hey, I, I can help these people, but then what do we do after helping the homeless people or after serving with homeless people? Well, we go over to uh, UCLA and we do street evangelism. That is one of the most frightening things for a student 18 to 24 because what are they doing? They're having to share their faith with people who are peers. The goal is to get a student out of their comfort zone, to understand why they think the way they think, to understand what the gospel is truly. And when you can do that and you can share your faith, you know what's going to happen? You're going to get rejected. And that's good. That's going to happen in life. But how are you faithful? How are you willing? God uses willingness and faithfulness. And that's what we get to do in Los Angeles. The final trip of our year which is just a blast, um, is we take the entire class to Israel and we walk the land where it happened. We open God's word in the places that these things happen and we get to see um, God's faithfulness through the last 6,000 years. And what a cool thing it is to do that as a community. So we get to do our trips. We have classes. We have speakers. 
but really one of the biggest cornerstones uh, of Joshua is community. I think it's no secret that the last two years has been a lonely time for uh, the age group of 18 to 24, and probably a lot more than that. But to do it in community, to not be alone, to go, hey, I'm learning how to walk this walk. How can we do this together? Iron sharpens iron. And that's why we have 40 people up in the building right now living together, learning how to live a life worthy of the gospel. You know, uh, one of the things that uh, students are struggling with right now is um, they have, uh, over the course of their time in Joshua, uh, they have to memorize the entire book of Philippians, um, which is difficult. That's very difficult. Uh, as a Joshua student, I did that, uh, and it was really hard. And I got to stand in front of them yesterday and say, hey, in two weeks, you're being tested on Philippians. Uh, Philippians 1. So, you know, uh, they do uh, a chapter at a time. So they, they have to memorize Philippians 1 by, uh, in two weeks. But here's the deal. I love challenging this age group because if you raise the bar, they'll come up and they'll meet it, right? For the most part. Sometimes they fall well short. But... To raise the bar for a student and go, hey, not everything's easy. And actually, the things that are really hard typically are going to be where you're going to see the most growth. But so often students go, I just, I don't know if I can do that. I, no, you can do it. I'm reminded, it was in the video, but I want to I read a, a portion of scripture here. And it's in Deuteronomy 30. Deuteronomy 30, 11 through 14. This is... This is right when, um, when Moses dies, you know, and, and Joshua is placed in leadership, and he, they're kind of freaking out. Moses has been speaking uh, for God to the people, but Moses is dead now, and this is what is said. For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? But the word of God is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. And this is my favorite part of this passage. So that you can do it. So that you can do it. Students, when they come to Joshua, typically are going, I don't know how to live this life worthy of the gospel. I'm scared. I'm scared to voice my opinion. I'm scared to share truth of who Jesus is because it's a culture that oftentimes hates and rejects Christianity, right? So how do I do that? Well, right here in Scripture, if Scripture itself tells us that you can live this life, well, come on, let's go. You can do it. You don't need a Moses to ascend across the sea. You don't need to ascend into heaven to bring God's word down to you. The word of God is very near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. Oftentimes, uh, you know, students are in this age bracket so scared, so nervous about, am I making the wrong decision? Am I doing the right thing? Uh, you know, am I within God's will? And I have so many conversations in my office of students going, I don't know what to do next. How do I do this? And you go, you be faithful. In the hard things, you be faithful. And then you do what you want. And as long as you're walking with the Lord and you're being faithful, he'll guide you. He'll direct your steps. And that is oftentimes what we need to, need to tell students. You're going to be okay. Stop freaking out. 
I think uh, many of you uh, on this side of life are going, hey, you're going to be all right, right? Like, it's going to work out. You don't need to freak out about who you're going to marry. You don't need to freak out about school you're going to go to. Just make some decisions and walk in faith. Be faithful and be willing. God uses willingness. The name of Joshua is really interesting and in why Joshua was chosen uh, for the program. Um, you know, in, in Numbers 13 and 14, um, Moses sends out scouts into the, the land of Canaan and to go out and to go, hey, can we take this land? Hey, send them out. We want to see what we're looking at here. And 12 of them go out, right? And they, they, they check the land, uh, and then they come back. And what happens? There, there's 10 of them who say what? We can't do that. We, we can't take it. No, because what's there? Nephilim. The Joshua students freak out about that. There's Nephilim in the land, and we're scared to death. And what do we look like to the people of Canaan? Grasshoppers. We look like grasshoppers. But something happens. Someone speaks up. There's two people who are there, who are left, and one of them speaks up. Who is that? No. Trick question. Caleb. Caleb speaks up in 13. Sorry, I got you on that one. Uh, Caleb speaks up. And what does he say? We can take the land. It is, it is ours to take. God has, has given it to us. Let us walk in trust. Let us walk in faith. We can take the land. Who doesn't speak up? Joshua. He sits there kind of kicking rocks silently. But then in Numbers 14, something changes. I think that Caleb had a conversation with him. He was like, hey, come on, man. Like, I need some support. I need some help here. There's 10 people saying that we're grasshoppers, and you just aren't saying anything. But we see him speak up in, in Numbers 14. And what does he say? He says, no, we can. We can take this land. The reason that Joshua's named Joshua and not Caleb is because oftentimes students aren't the first ones to speak up. We're not always looking for the perfect student. We're looking for the ones who eventually are faithful. Maybe they're scared to speak up the first time, but with a little bit of guiding, and that's what we do in Joshua, a little bit of guiding, maybe then they'll speak up. And then what happens? Well, it wasn't Caleb who was chosen to lead the Israelites into the promised land, was it? It was Joshua, the guy who wouldn't speak up the first time. But then he speaks up, and God chooses him to head all of Israel into the promised land. That's who Joshua's for. The Joshua Wilderness Institute is for the student who goes, hey, I don't have all the answers. I'm probably not the best. I don't really know how to do a lot of this stuff. But, man, I'm willing. And how will God use that student who doesn't have all the answers, doesn't know how to do everything just right? It's been, um, it's been a really cool last month and a half. It's been cool to see how God has worked in the lives of students. It's been cool to see how God has worked in the lives of staff. I can tell you this, uh, and I said it a little bit earlier, I knew how to do my job previously. I was really good at running Meadow Ranch. I'm not really that good at this. Uh, I mean, just straight up. Like, I, I don't have all the answers. I'm like, I don't have as much wisdom as probably a lot of you guys here. Um, but I'm willing. And I think the cool thing about walking into a program and taking a job like Joshua, where we get to disciple young men and women, is I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, it's not my strength. It's God's strength. When I was hired a year ago, we were already six months behind on recruiting. There was a point where we thought we were going to start the program with about 20 students. 
Um, and we prayed fervently. And there's someone here in this building who prayed fervently uh, alongside of us, probably many of you, but Connie. Connie asked me every week, what can I be praying for? And I always said, students. And you know what? We started with 42 students. And that was a miracle. That was an absolute miracle for a program that hadn't been talked about for two years, that was behind six months on recruiting, that we were scraping by just to get some people in the program. And all of a sudden, we started with 42 people, young men and women, who desire to live lives worthy of the gospel. What an amazing thing. And to give you some good news, uh, we actually accepted six students yesterday for next year. Um, and it is because of God's faithfulness. It's not because my staff or I are great at what we do. Um, we're learning a lot. We're making a lot of mistakes. And it's pretty cool to go in sometimes and tell students, hey, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that, or we didn't do that right. But we're doing it together. And that's what's fun. We're doing it in community. And God is faithful. And oftentimes, myself included, I don't speak up first like Caleb. Sometimes I speak up second. But God chooses the people over and over again in Scripture who aren't always faithful first. But, man, he still uses us. What a cool thing. If you could be praying for us uh, this year. We, have, uh, we started our year with 42 students, and that was a huge blessing. Uh, we have 40 students now. Um, we actually removed a student the first week of the program, uh, and that was the right decision. And we had a student who decided um, this commitment was too much for her, and so she left on Monday. And that's been really difficult for the students because um, when you're in that close-knit of a community, when you're uh, having that much fun with all of your brothers and sisters and fighting that much with all of your brothers and sisters, it becomes a very close-knit community. If you could be praying for them, that they would be focused, singularly focused. There is something I didn't tell you about Joshua. Before Joshua's student comes, I ask them to give up some things. Um, and we call it the Joshua Fast. And uh, all of you know how inundated students are with media, right? And, and how, uh, I guess really the word is, how distracted students are. Well, one of the goals of coming to Joshua is to eliminate those distractions. That's actually one of the goals of coming to Hume. I don't, I, I'm curious if you guys have heard at Hume when we say eliminate distractions. It's why any of our chapels, uh, Meadow Ranch, Ponderosa, Wagon Train, it's why there's no windows in them. Have you ever noticed that? There's not a single window in those chapels. Well, why? Because we don't want students looking out at birds and chipmunks and uh, falling leaves and snow. No. They need to be distraction-free. That's one of my favorite things about the philosophy of what we do is the most important thing that can happen is on the stage of a chapel when the gospel is shared. That's why there's no windows in chapels. It's the same thing that we try to do at Joshua, completely undistracted. And so what I ask of a student when they come is to willingly give up some things. Um, for nine months, we ask them to give up movies. We ask them to give up pre-recorded music. Um, we do live worship in the building. That's what we listen to. Uh, we give up video games. Give up television. Give up uh, furthering romantic relationships. Distraction. And we ask them to give up social media, to delete their social media accounts. All of them. Kind of hit them where it hurts right there. And the goal is that they would be completely focused on one thing. A singular focus. 
how do I have a relationship with Christ? That's it. And they're struggling with it, truthfully. Um, we're in month two, uh, month and a half. And um, what you have to realize is we brought in, uh, and this is something I have to realize as well, is we brought in 40 students, 18 to 24-year-old students, who are sinners. How crazy is that? Um, and we brought them into a program, and you know what else we did? We took away all of their coping mechanisms. All of them. Everything that they try to run to so that they can distract themselves, so that they don't have to think about this thing, so that they don't have to have this conversation, so that they don't have to be in God's word, stripped from them intentionally. And it's hard. And they're struggling. So if you think of them, be praying for them. Um, it's important to be undistracted in Joshua. Pray for them that they be undistracted. Pray that they would uh, be attentive in class. Pray beyond anything else that the word of God would permeate their hearts and that they would understand more clearly how to live a life worthy of the gospel. That's why Joshua exists. And honestly, friends, it's needed now more than ever. So be praying for 40 18 to 24-year-olds on the top of this hill who are just going through it right now. But man, I can't wait to see how God uses them. I can't wait to see um, the fruit that comes, just like in my life. You know, I was a Joshua student. I grew up as a missionary kid. You know what? I gave my life to the Lord in Joshua. It's when I finally surrendered. It's when I finally understood the grace that could be mine, like we read in Jonah. And yeah, be praying for him, that they would drop their walls, that they would understand God's grace, that they would understand the depravity of their sin, and that they would, just like Deuteronomy says, realize that they can do it. So that's what I have for you guys tonight. Hey, can I pray, or are you going to come up to him? Great. Heavenly Father, we're um, so thankful. We're so thankful for these men and women who are here this weekend. God, so many of them that I know who have prayed for this place. God, who've been faithful in their lives. And Lord, I um, I pray that this is just a week of glorifying you. God, that um, it would be you who would be praised. God, that it wouldn't be about... Um, how great Hume Lake is, that it would be about how great you are for using this place. God, um, I pray for Joshua students who, um, Lord, oftentimes don't want to leave their life behind, even though they've committed to doing it. Um, God, that you would convict, that you would work in their lives so that it's you who is seen. And Lord, we're, uh, we're so thankful for the opportunity to be running Joshua again. So thankful for the opportunity to see life change in students. God, I pray, um, yeah, just that you would continue to work in all of our lives, and God, that you would be made known, and that we would not seek accolade or seek to be uh, placed in front, but God, that it's you who is above all things. God, we love you in your name. Amen. Thanks, guys.